0: Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel podcast network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. And Novak Djokovic is now just one win away from his 20th Grand Slam title, which would equal Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Uh, he has defeated Dennis Shapovalov in straight sets on Friday's semifinal, but it was a lot closer than a straight set victory would suggest. Amy, what'd you think of that match? Uh, Just those those big moments, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you guys thought the last match was close, then you must've thought this was like super, super tight. I I can't wait to see what you say when it's like five sets or something. (laughs) But um, I, I actually thought that for a semifinal, that while it was a very entertaining match, it was not as close as the score would indicate. Um, and that is because Novak had a real handle on his game plan. Uh, and we talked about it, Gil. We, we said, would you rally to the backhand? Would you go to the backhand or would you go to the forehand? Because so often you go to the forehand because that's the shot that draws a ton of errors. But with Shapovalov, he's kind of a horse of a different color. He's got that flashy backhand that can be very offensive, but when it misses, it misses big. And um, even though Shapovalov used that backhand to get the break early in the first set, Novak got his legs under him. He stuck to his game plan. He kept going at the backhand and it actually broke down very quickly.
1: Well, also then Dennis's forehand betrayed him on a pile of points. He'll take <clears throat> for a long time serving for the first set five, four 30, all opens up the rally with a great, great, Cross court backhand, but again, that's the shot he always hits. That he—it's really—it's a lot of times it's the, the cross court backhand. So Novak reads it, so Novak gets to it in true Gumby-like fashion. But Dennis has a pretty makeable forehand to hit cross court, and he misses Very. it. Very. And from there, um, you could—I I felt the air went out of the balloon. And it reminds me—I have, I have a quote I want to read from a book, this uh, book I love called *A Handful of Summers* about the uh, '50s, '60s, and into the '70s by Gordon Forbes, and he. He's writing about another left-hander at Wimbledon. He's writing about Jimmy Connors. And this made me think, this I thought of while I was watching Dennis. He goes, he's playing too perfectly altogether, like a complicated machine that has been finally programmed to hit hundreds of risky winners and then been overwhelmed. Watching him one senses overkill. Feels instinctively that his best shots would be worth more than only one point. Can't keep doing that, one mutters. And of course he can't. So we just saw how hmm. Dennis Boom. is kind of like, a, he, he's, he's, Right up there at the redlining stage. It'll be interesting as we as we preview the upcoming final, but it was just it was kinda of one of those matches it was tight and it wasn't. It was kind of strange, wasn't it? Particularly I think once that first set went. That tie. I break just thought was... uh, I yeah, just thought ahead. it
0: was tight. Yeah. If I could I mean, to me I I, I think it was closer than the score indicates because uh, now I don't think I mean Shapovalov won more total points through two sets than Djokovic. he was down two sets to love.
1: Like Showing for me, how, that's that, which was, which, which is why that's that I think is, you know, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. But it suggests that it suggests Novak won the important points, the pressure points. He, he, he was much less mistake prone in the biggest moments. And he was serving Uh, in his serving was very, very clutch, but the tie break was a mess by both of them. It was just less of a mess by Djokovic at uh, the first set tie break. And I think that you goes back to
1: 2019 final. No, I mean, it's funny. It's funny. It felt like it, that. Like, like Dennis is getting all these, all these shot placement points and there's Novak airtight hunkering down. Yeah, that tiebreak was not exactly vintage form from him either, but it was good enough to kind of extricate from it. But I thought once, once Djokovic won the first set, you it, it also reminded me of, yeah, you have, you have these people who you've played a lot of times And you know that as much as they press you at four all, they'll blink. Time to Mm -hmm. blink.
2: Mm -hmm. He's just—he's that that player that doesn't quite have a handle on when to not bring out the offense. Like if you're truly on defense, I don't care if you're playing Novak Djokovic and and you think you have to go for broke, you got to put the ball back in the court. You have to. And um, I thought that Novak actually bested him at the net, both in in terms of uh, volleys, just soundness of volleys, making volleys, volley winners. Uh, He also bested him in retrievals where he had to run up and get the drop shot. Dennis missed any number of, of those, even though if the two guys were in a 40 yard dash, I think Dennis might win, but somehow Novak is more efficient. And when he runs up to the net to retrieve a a drop shot, he has a game plan. He doesn't. I think he's got better.
0: I think he's got better hands. Would you agree?
1: I would agree with that. He also is a, um, he, it's a three yard game. Tennis. You know what I mean? We don't lose matches because we can't get the ball. And you see, like you said, how, use the efficiency. That's so good.
2: Yeah. So um, yeah. And, and uh, you guys know, like, I'm not really big on unforced errors. I think it should all be errors and we can talk about that at another time, but whomever was the uh, official scorer for IBM, they put mm-hmm. the unforced errors at 15 to 36. So uh, Shapovalov had 36 unforced errors as they called it.
0: And if I can add something to that, eight of those 15 unforced errors by Djokovic were in the first set where he was at his his lowest level. Um, I I think of the three. I think he got better and better as the match wore on. But I also, you know, I think in terms of Djokovic's winners, I would go back to uh, where you started with the net play, Amy. It was it was uh, absolutely enormous for Novak because I just I don't think the meat and potatoes of Djokovic's game really arrived until maybe the the third set where he started hitting his ground strokes with a little bit better depth and just a a bit harder. Uh, but he was 28 for 33 at the net, it's 85% net points won, and I feel like out of his 33 winners, I think at least 20 of them were probably at the net. Um, so to me, like that's. Man, I mean, we don't even we, – we think of that as more of a, a Nadal play or a Federer play, but here Novak is, okay, the ground stroke game that's usually there for me, it's not there. I'm going to serve and volley in big points. I'm going to work my way in, um, and that's going to enable me to – you know I don't need to hit four great forehands to win this point. I'll hit two good forehands and finish at the net.
1: And serve sh- and certain volley is a really good play against a one-handed backhand returner unless they, unless they really mm-hmm. have it some efficiency and these guys haven't done enough. I mean, guys like Pete Sampras or Patrick Rafter, they and Edberg, they learned how to how to use their one hand appropriately. But these guys like Shapovalov and uh CC Pass who take these big swings and rallies, suddenly there's a guy at net that's that's and on grass, that is not good math. And and Novak 20 to 33 at net, that is fantastic. It's not and like he, I'm sorry. He go did
2: on. sorry, he, he did say um, when, when I think we talked about this last show. He was asked how has your game improved over the past decade? And he said, net. That was, that was the first thing he said. And you guys are right. Like, we don't really think of him being great at the net, but it just dawns on you watching a match like this that he is so much more sound than the next gen guys, really.
1: Well, he's adding just these parts to the arsenal. He's already got a lead of being good, and now he's just adding yet, yet more parts. It's like a basketball player adding another direction he can go and different things he can do. And it's so uh, – it's really impressive to watch how he applies pressure like that to, to, to come in, to add those parts to his game. And why not? I mean, someone asked me a few years ago when Edberg was working with Fetter is he having to come up to net more? I go, well, I never heard a coach tell a player to come up to net less. You know, you rarely hear a coach tell a player to come up to net less. And I think the way Novak's doing it, 33 times, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he found his way – Again, the serve volley, I think it was something like 11 for 12. Um, and it was normally on the deuce side, he'd serve wide to Shapovalov's backhand and and get that done. Uh, but, you know, I think Shapovalov was one for 11 on breakpoints converted. And Joel, you said, is it 2019? It, it kind of reminded me of that. How would you describe or reason with the the trend that we see with Djokovic where so often he probably has his B game. I don't think, I don't think today was the A game and the opponent Shapovalov, he was game, you know, he was, he did not go away. He did not fold. Uh, he made, he served and played great first strike tennis for all three sets for large periods of time. But when it really counts on the big points, Novak's coming through. And this has been the case, I think, for the last couple of years, even more so than, than it has been throughout his career.
1: Billie Jean King once told me, she goes, the better players, we just choke 10% less. <clears throat> so his, <laughs> his ability to kind of like hang there and maybe, I'm not even sure if it's so much to raise the game or maintain the game. And then you realize a guy like uh, the, the players who are coming after him, like Shapovalov, and we're going to talk about this with Berrettini for the final. They're, they're sprung up, man. They want to – they're pushing the edge of it. And Novak, he's so aware of how much he can do and not do. I mean, he's such efficient in how – and to measure the ball and to more or less say, can you really come up with those shots? I mean, serve wide in the de- de- deuce court against a guy who has a backhand return like that? Absolutely. And pretty much cover the backhand volley. I mean, if, if Dennis, with that swing, is going to hit a cross-court backhand wide past him on grass – against a servant volleyer, wow, okay, let's, let's call Rob Laver, but he's not there, and we don't know if he's going to, and, and the thing with him, we don't know if he's going to get there yet, and we're having to see, though, the styles that are evolving among these aspirants, and to see, though, if they're going to be able to beat some of the three, or or is it just gonna, they're going to, the three are going to age out, and then leave it vacant anyway.
2: Well, if shots zero to four, and we know that that most of the game is, is played within zero to four, we know that statistically. Shots zero to four have been compared to an earthquake or a storm. And I feel like nobody survives the earthquake better than Djokovic. And it was almost easy today. It was like all I gotta do is just survive the earthquake and go to this guy's backhand. He'll make an error. And and he'll get jumpy. And I feel like that's what happened. And and yeah, I, I it was a good match. It was a close match as as three setters go, as straight sets go. Um, but in many ways what I saw was was pretty easy for Novak.
1: Hmm.
0: I guess, you know. I mean, I, I think there was like, again, Shapovalov holding at love a lot um, because of just, you know, making first serves and just brutalizing ground strokes behind it. And I guess there's a certain comfort level with Novak where, okay, you just hit three winners and held at love and, you know, hit a service winner. Like, that's fine. That's one game. Good job. Um, now I'll hold, there is a certain calmness where some players are going to um, almost lose the script when they uh, when their opponents are doing that to them in a way that's like panic, panicky. But there's no panic, you know, because Novak feels like, OK, eventually I'll get into that game and I'll be able to apply the pressure. So.
1: Well, he's got at maybe least 90, that's why he's got, ni- he's got at least 19 reasons to not panic, just like and the two other guys we talk about. They have 20 each. So experience and playing people a lot and a lot and seeing it's like, see how that kind of goes. I mean, I think, I think in a way, the way that we're describing this match, we're seeing, well, okay, even if Zanis wins that first set, what do you think? You're gonna keep that up? Really young man? And so that's, that's kind of the thing about how Novak, how he's so good at, uh, I like that term about surviving the earthquake. That's right. It's like weathering the storm and here it comes and okay, you've got it. And you're holding up love and you're slashing these winners. But again, it's an interesting test. And I think it speaks to, I'm, what I'm excited to see in both Shapovalov and Berrettini is the style it needs to take the game of tomorrow. And actually, it makes me excited about the future of tennis, about the kinds of players we're going to see emerging that are trying to solve the problems created by these three. We've seen it with people being Feder. We, uh, we only saw it with Novak and uh, we only saw it with Rafan Clay versus someone like Novak. But it's just interesting to see how these styles are evolving, these playing styles. Big shots, big serves, aggression
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh let's move on then. I let's move on to the next one to see if uh the next modern forehand can uh do a do a better job of conquering Novak Djokovic on uh, on his quest. So, Joel, I guess how how do you see the differences between between Berrettini and and Shapovalov and and what can he do to be the be tomorrow's game a little bit better than Shapo was able to.
1: Well, I think with Berrettini is the more obvious sword and shield. And I'm going to attempt to eventually blow up that dichotomy a little bit. But Berrettini is a little bit more. I, I think there's a little bit more consistency and mobility. The righty forehand, the serve, the backhand, he kind of manages it. He know, he's not trying to be exceptionally dynamic with it. He's trying to use it to elicit the forehand he wants. I don't think Dennis, between being lefty and his love of that Tauschenback, and I don't think he quite has the the, the cocktail mix down yet. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that, Amy?
2: Uh, Chapo. Uh, I think, it, it, I think it was you, Joel, who said on a previous uh, podcast that a lot of these guys are trying to win playing their own game and it doesn't even occur to them to win disrupting the other guy and what? I thought I thought it was a classic case of Chapo trying to win playing his own game not even giving a thought about what what could draw some errors out of Novak here or you know what what can I do where can I place the ball that Novak you know makes him a little more statistically uncomfortable Um, It didn't even seem to occur to him I mean he was just like gunning for the for the stars and to me that's why the match was easy pickings. Now I I do think that Berrettini plays a little more strategically and um, it it goes beyond I mean yeah he served great today. I mean, if the guy doesn't serve great forget it he's out. Um, That's just his weapon and it's got to be on. Um, But it, it has been throughout the entire tournament he's been very consistent with it. Um, I just think that strategically against Novak, he's going to have to come up with something that is, um, it's not just going out there and trying to rally with him or, or it's got to be more thought out than that.
1: Well, the first striking, you know, we saw they had the tight, um, Roland Garros quarterfinal and that gave more time to each. So I'm kind of trying to think out, Hmm, does this grass make it? easier for Novak to get into the zero to four I'm coming after that backhand somehow and now you got to deal with it or does it make it easier for Berrettini with the big serve and the big forehand? because yeah, I, th- I think the difference between Berrettini and Shapovalov is that Dennis is looking for big shots on both sides because he pretty much thinks he has them but that gets him sometimes confused about what to do with the backhand and what to do with the forehand whereas Berrettini is pretty clear on the pattern I got to I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to win a hit a backhand winner, ever, ever really. And I'm gonna use the backhands to set up a forehand. Uh, Fernando Gonzalez, Victor Petchi, Andy Roddick, to some degree. This was a play that those guys ran. So I think there's a little bit more um, streamlined thinking process in Berrettini than there was in Shapovalov.
2: If I could jump in before Gil gives his thoughts on that, um, on the ESPN telecast today. Actually, Berrettini was compared delightfully to Barty um, instead of comparing him to to some guy, um, which was really interesting to me because they said that Barty uses her slice to set up her forehand. She has a great serve. It's like, you know, very similar game style. So I I really agreed with that. I thought it was a good observation. And I love it when a man is compared to a woman.
1: I think that's pretty interesting. I would I would contend, and this is where I'm gonna. This gives me the chance to kind of crack into my my annihilating the sword shield thing on behalf of Barty and Novak. Um, I think Barty uses the slice for more offense than Berrettini does. I think Barty uses it. She can generate traction in the point in the rally more. Berrettini does it sort of too, but he still wants to look for the point. I think she can um, do things with it. But I heard the I heard that point too on the on the telecast and how um, making each, each, each hit backhand passing shots is, is, a, is, a, is a port of entry, is a way to get into the point in a certain way. Um, and again, so I, this is what I want to, um, you know, I was reading up on the sword shield thing about how the forehand is the big thing in the backhand. But I think I'm going to talk on Novak's behalf. Novak wins. He's the, he's, he could be on the way to becoming the only the third man to win all four majors in a year. The true grand slam and they got the golden slam and all that. The other people who also did it, uh, Don Budge and Rod Laver were both backhand geniuses. Were both people that, I mean, Don Budge had the first contemporary backhand, big drive based on a lefty baseball swing. Rod Laver, the first lefty with a topspin backhand. So um, that he copied to some degree after Budge. So, so no- and Novak, I mean, Novak's backhand, it, we know it's something more than a shield. I yes. mean, that's much like, that's, more yeah so so that whole dichotomy but so uh anyway that's my little sword and shield riff
0: novak's I forehand but think... bio biomechanically is still a, a bigger shot but i agree that it's degrading to call a shot that applies so much pressure on their opponents as just a defensive weapon which is a shield
2: i i uh Also looked very closely and was actually starting to chart the uh, Berrettini match and the semifinal from today. And I think what he did was, um, I mean, the the surplus one is the big thing, right? That's the big thing. Now, you know, you got to win with the surplus one. You look for the forehand after the serve. I think the truly elite players now like Berrettini, Djokovic, Nadal, they're starting now to eliminate their opponent's serve plus one. They're they're thinking not just in terms of their own plus one, but how do I make sure the other guy doesn't get the serve plus one by hitting to a certain zone in the court? And the thing I noticed was that her catch was uh, making a lot of errors on his serve plus one forehand. And Berrettini seemed to be hitting um, – to zone B which would be sort of his his jammed forehand position. That's so I, I don't know if that's something that a, a place where Novak also makes errors. I know Novak doesn't really make nowhere. a lot of errors. So nowhere
0: <laughs> Amy, nowhere. There's no
2: Every, Everybody <laughs> makes errors. Even if it's like even if it's like one or two more from this zone of the court, everybody makes errors. But um uh, that's definitely where I saw Berrettini get getting her catch today.
1: Yeah, no question. Well, her catch had a little more um, forehand technique, not nearly as uh, contemporary dynamic as Berrettini. I mean, it's almost a little bit of an old school, yeah. a, a little bit reminds me, you can see some of the comparisons between him and Medvedev, <clears throat> a little bit more of an absorber redirection, a little bit more from um, some of the older era go further back. He'd almost have a continental grip. I mean, this forehand really kind of uh, did do things for him the way it had versus the more um, flatter hitter hitting Federer and Berrettini. He just, he just munched it. Now the question then is so where, okay. So where if Novak serves does Berrettini return to diminish Novak's plus one effectiveness. Mm-hmm. I still
0: think, I still think you want Novak to hit a first ball backhand over a first ball forehand. but let's be real. There's very little, there's very, it, it doesn't, you want to hit a good, deep return, uh, I think. I, I don't know that he's... That's the thing about Novak. He's so even off of both sides. It's not like Nadal. You definitely want to get that return to the backhand. Fetter, definitely, if you can get the return to the backhand, you do it. Um, Got to be careful. You don't want the run around. And for Berrettini, it's the same thing. And when the, when these two played at Roland Garros, four set victory for Djokovic. That's what we talked about. I I think on on the podcast before the matches. You know, Djokovic has this incredible ability against the Milos Raonic's of the world. Um, for example, to take a really big server with a really big forehand and say, "Well, my return's super good, so you're not going to get a first ball forehand."
1: <laughs> right. So then, when Novak serves, I think for Berrettini. Particularly on the grass, particularly given bounces, you know, serving games fly by on grass, and so then there come these moments. Oh, love 15. Oh, second serve. All right, Barrett, going to think. I gotta, I gotta hit a forehand here. Somehow, I've got to get a four. I'm not gonna hit a backhand return. I don't care how much he, where he hits that serve, and you run right. And he he doesn't it. do
0: that. He doesn't. Yeah. Berrettini, and it's a big critique, of mine, Joel. You're not gonna see him do that. It, I. Maybe he'll do well, it for the first time. Every time I've seen him, every, every time I've watched a match, he does not do the, I'm going to scoot to my left and make myself a forehand on the second serve return. He just hits a backhand.
2: Well, See, I mean, there. and my thing is, if, if you're going to hit a backhand, which it seems to be what he wants to do, and it comes naturally to him, then hit it to either zone B or C, wherever Novak, deep, wherever Novak makes the most errors. That's your, that's a big game plan.
1: Well, right. Cause that's right. Cause you hit it to, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's any-
2: probably what Novak does a lot of times actually just gets it deep to ABCD, whatever zone where the errors can be found and, well, and out, out chess move inside that zero to four out chess move the <clears> other throat> player.
1: Throat> well, he's the house money. That's right. Cause he's the better player. So he just, I'm going deep. I'm going deep to C. What do you got, buddy? That's right. Right, you got so Berrettini has to Berrettini has to put himself in position to hit dynamic forehands,
0: right? And I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't think I actually. My main criticism of him, really all the time, is just I don't think he's aggressive enough on his second serve returns. And I think against Harkocz, that was also my main criticism of him is he just didn't really deal with the backhand second serve return off of Herkach's kick very well. So Djokovic will hit that serve. And I mean, it's something I'll have an eye on. I think against Novak, I think you should slice that. Um, I think try try to hit a hard slice cross court and make Djokovic... Kind of move inside the court and hit a low backhand. I don't think he likes to do that. That's what Federer does against Novak. I think it's it's decently effective, and it's it'll be difficult for Djokovic to uh, find the Berrettini backhand on the next ball.
1: I think the, it's interesting though, and this gets to an interesting Barty comparison. Is I think <clears throat> Berrettini is so aware of playing the backhand in a humble way, but that's but I think sometimes that means he doesn't give the stroke its due. Do, do. It's it's proper. Recognition. So he thinks of it as kind of like, yeah, I'm going to kind of hack this thing over. He uses it some, like against Hercotch, he had a lot more to use it. But I think you're right. Barty is much more technically dynamic <clears throat> with it, with seeing the slice as, uh, as a defense, as not as defense at all, as an offense, as a, as a creation thing, not just a neutral this or that. And it's a bona fide shot. And so this is where I want to get on. Um, I want to crack on a lot of instructors and coaches who don't really conceive the slice backhand. Don't give it enough of its due to teach it in a way that really gets people deploying it. Because you're right. So there's a good play for Berrettini. You know, really like Federer does a really well-carved backhand return to see and say, "Okay, Novak, let's let's do something here."
0: It killed Harkovac. I think I think Hubie right. hated the slice backhand because he kept trying to run around and hit awkward, uncomfortable forehands. Um, so I thought it was it was a great play.
1: It would work well again. It would work well against. It works well against a guy like Medvedev. Wouldn't be a bad play against right, the guy. For sure. It.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know, Fucevic, I thought, only beat Rublev because he was able to use that shot so well. It's a super important shot. I agree with you, Joel. Everyone should should learn it. If you don't have it, it's a problem. Um, let's talk about pressure. Um, I think that the one the one difference that I think Joel, you brought up with Chapaval versus Berrettini is the simplicity of Mateo's game. I think that's right. Um, There's very little decision-making that goes on in his game. It's, you know, I see a forehand and I'm going to swing as hard as I can with bad, bad intentions. Uh, That's just (laughs) how he plays, right? And I think that makes him very good under pressure because it's so simple. And for Shapo, there might be more things going on in, in his mind. So how do we think it's the first major final? We'll get to Novak next. How do we think Berrettini will handle this moment?
2: Well, in it was interesting. Final. it was interesting in his um, on-court interview today, he remembered himself. He wasn't even asked about it. He remembered how badly he got beaten by Federer a couple years ago. I mean, it was just cringeworthy. Um, and, and, and the reason that I think that this will be a lot different is because he played Novak recently in a Grand Slam. And he played him decently uh, he lost in four sets but two of those four were good sets. Uh, so yeah I mean I, I I'm hoping people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like why are you guys trying to strategize for how Novak can be beat. That's not it at all. We're we want a good match. We're, we're interested. Um, we're we're engaged and and it is very exciting the prospect that Novak could be working toward the calendar slam here so there's that but I I do think that there's the potential for Berrettini to give Novak a really interesting match
1: yeah there's that's I agree and look it's it's exciting it's exciting that he's come across Novak's playing someone who's who's young again it's another next next gen guy who's got some artillery who's got some uh, positiveness. He's played Novak close before at the recent major, um, but we don't know. Yeah, I just exactly. We want to see an interesting match, and obviously for the underdog, that first set is exceptionally important to to really get his teeth into it. Some, and there's going to be going to plenty of times in it. Berrettini, there's no way a guy like that is just going to go uh, meekly into it. He, even if he loses badly, he's going to he's going to be swinging. He's going to be throwing some punches. A different kind of opponents. Than some of those on the other hand, I think uh, uh, look back Novak's first Grand Slam final, uh, first Grand Slam win, the 2008 Australian final, Joe Wilford Sanga, you know, uh, a Barrettini ancestor of sorts of style. Yeah. yeah. And so it's interesting. It's that's, that was four, That was almost 14 years ago. It's amazing. I mean, yep. joke still, and, and playing better than he was then.
0: It's been very hard for these guys. In Berrettini's generation, and Matteo's kind of a late bloomer. He's 25 years old. It's been very hard for these guys on this occasion. It's a major final against a member of the big three. This has not gone well. Uh, Medvedev made a good showing for himself. He went five. Nobody's won this match in Berrettini's situation. Uh, and, you know, I just think it's it's hard to play the role. Even if Berrettini gets a lead, it's going to be very difficult to play that role as the favorite On Sunday on center court at Wimbledon against Djokovic. It's going to be very difficult, but I really like what I see from him mentally, generally speaking. It's just this is a different animal. So that's why you have to wait and see, watch the match. Any thoughts on that?
1: Scope of it all, though, Novak, I was just thinking about this time wise. He's beaten Federer, who was born in 1981. He's beaten guys born in the all through the 80s, all through the 90s. Shapovalov was born in the year 2000. I mean, he's beaten the three decades worth of of players uh Berrettini a little a little older than dennis but still it's just it's just amazing and novak he does not look uh it doesn't look like he's he's weary in these matches it's not as if he had lost the first set to thought oh the old warhorse so he got it in and take on the kid i mean he looks daisy fresh out there
0: yeah not not since del potro i was just scanning my brain when's the last time a young guy shows up on sunday Beats member of the big three, right? Because the, I mean, you know, Vavrinka veteran doesn't really count. I don't. I think not since Del Potro. Um,
1: when Del Potro was 20 and he beat Federer, in 2009. 2009. Yes, that, yes, that's right. But that's
2: right. but then later when Del Potro faced Novak in the final of the U.S. Open, it was just
1: well, that was that, that was nine years later in Del Potro's career. Yeah, that was yeah, you got to hand it for Del Potro for getting there. And Del yeah. Potro I know, right? Oh, everybody loves
2: him. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He's going to he be, one of these you- characters. He'll be one of those characters who's just like floated through like a what if, you know, like every sport has these people, right? Who's like, gee, darn, what if? And and he did enough. It wasn't like what if he'd even won. He did win one. He was in there. He beat Nadal and Federer to win that slam, but it's sad.
0: What about the pressure on Novak? It's one away from 20. I, you know, ever since he's come back from, um, his injury and one Wimbledon in 2018, I have not seen him lose a match due in any part to not being able to handle pressure or feeling nerves because he's been a robot instead of a human. Um, and the question is, can he do it again?
2: He seems to relish the pressure. He seems to feed off of it now, you know, like give me more pressure. Um, the one match that I thought that he might've shown some nerves was that Lost to Karatsev in Serbia, you know, his, his brother, I think, is the tournament director and he had a ton of family and friends there and, and may have felt some pressure to perform and, you know, didn't play especially well in that match. But, you know, at the same time, if that had been best of five or if it had been a grand slam, um, I put my money on Novak. You know, I, I he... disagree.
0: I, I think he was out of shape. I thought he lost to Dan Evans. I just think it was not in shape, but that's just me. Okay. I, I didn't uh, equate it to nerves. What do you think, Joel, about the pressure with, with Novak?
1: When it comes to pressure, Novak has just got so many things organized. It makes me think of when I go on trips and I make this checklist for my house to make sure I've turned off the oven, unplug this got this and then I take a picture and then I text it to myself. And he has all these things kind of locked in place from from warm up rituals. You know, so much of his stuff is about the preparation to be ready, to be organized just to compete. And then he knows that there're going to be moments that are come that are going to be pressure whether it's for all, but they're not they're not coming out of the blue. He's been through it so many times and that that experience so matters. So I think he's going to be fine. And if Berrettini's executing well enough to hit that many tremendous forehands, he'll, he'll cross that bridge or attempt as he attempts to.
0: Right. I almost think when, uh, when the pressure's on, he's almost thinking, this is great. My opponent's going to play worse, isn't he? Fantastic, because I'm not. Um, it's just how, it, how it's felt uh, over the years. Um, someone said, I don't remember, but someone said some people think the best players get better under pressure. That's not really true. It's their opponents get worse.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. And that's where practice comes in handy about how you practice. You know, one of the things Jimmy Connors said, if you play every match, like it's the big match, when the big match comes, you're ready. So you put yourself in this state of practicing at a high pitch. And I think Novak practices pretty, pretty briskly.
0: Amy, what are you most looking forward to about Sunday's final Djokovic Barrettini?
2: I think Berrettini has served so incredibly well throughout this entire tournament. He's got some really wicked placements and Djokovic is perhaps, um, I believe, the greatest returner in the history of tennis. So a really hot server who can serve incredibly well at Wimbledon where the serve is even accentuated versus the world's greatest returner that matchup
1: that's a great contrast and of course then the the red flag for Berrettini is if he's missing a lot of first serves early on the other hand the the i guess the green light is if he hits enough serves early in the first two or three service games and even he's knocking the racket out of novak i mean he he's got a tremendous serve he's hitting over 120 wide often i mean that's that's something, and we'll see how Novak how Novak deals with it. If he can direct it to places too that are going to compromise Beratini.
0: Yeah, um, you took mine, Amy. I mean, that was it for <laughs> me. Good. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what it's all about. I mean, don't you know? I won't make that comparison, but I mean, I'm fascinated to see which weapon there will prevail because I think more than any other shot in tennis serve return. It's so like metal on metal, mano-a-mano, mano, and it's so hard to predict exactly what that's going to look like until they're on the court. And I know personally, I greatly mis mischaracterized what that would look like for her coach and what Barrettini has done to pretty much all of his opponents is his percent of returns in play are way higher than his opponent's percentage of returns in play. So he's literally having to play less points. That's what his serve and return is doing for him. And can that continue? Because he won Queens, he's in the final here. Ever since Novak beat him at Roland Garros, nobody's been able to touch that serve. I'm fascinated to see if that ends. Joel, do do you have one?
1: Well, no, I just think the whole, uh, I, I do like that serve return. I mean, look, there's the serve game and there's the return game. The two most important shots in tennis, by far and how a player builds forms of mastery of each really shapes their destiny as a player. I, I think sometimes they get a little lost in the sauce amid things like baseline play and people practicing and playing 11 point baseline games and, and not really working on the serve and the vanishing of serve volley and get the ball and play and start the rally. But if you really look at it and, and maybe, maybe we could talk more um, in the shows to come about the role of the return of serve, about how Novak uses it, how Rafa and Roger use it, and what it really means to, to deploy it. I mean, I, th- I think Novak is, is one of the, the best returners, I think, are Novak, Agassi, and Connors for different reasons in different eras. Connors had the best return against net rushers. Novak hasn't had a return against many net rushers. But Novak, he would adapt pretty well to that too. I mean, the depth, the, the direction, the consistency just – and the way it helps him commence the point is because it's not defense. It's not a, he doesn't use it as defense. It's his form of offense.
0: Yep. Well, our three uh, are in are in different places right now. Rafa Nadal has announced he will play the City Open in Washington, D.C. That'll be his first hardcourt event. Roger Federer huddling with his team, considering the Olympics. No decision made. Novak Djokovic still has business to take care of. Tomorrow, Sunday, Wimbledon, center court for 20 against Matteo Berrettini. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe, leave a comment. We'll see you next time on the next episode of three.